previously in part one. And I grabbed a couple of guys from the pool hall and I said, do you want to go get this guy? And they said, yeah. And these were thumpers. These boys loved to thump. And so we found out where he was and we drove to over the mountain. And um, when we got there, um, he was sitting on the front porch with somebody. And I remember getting out of the car and um, we circled him. And I told him what was about to happen. You're listening to the Classroom and Culture Podcast from Epic Media Partners, where we go deep on all things faith, culture, creativity, tech, and innovation as they relate to education and learning. Please see the show notes for additional info and details discussed in today's podcast. Hey, Monroe here. So today we continue in our summer series with part two of our interview with Mark Stearns. And I just want to stress that since this is a multi-part episode that tells a story, each part basically builds on the one before it. So if you haven't listened uh, to part one, you may want to go back and catch that one first. Also, in part one, you'll hear background info in the intro, as well as other details pertinent to this really powerful story, um, which is filled with redemption and vivid examples of God's hand moving through a community and a school, bringing healing and advancing his kingdom. So here we go, picking up where we left off and jumping back into our story with Mark Stearns. And I knew life was over. But then... The great thing was this, I had a friend that I used to spend time with, but when he had met Christ, and when he did, we parted ways. And I didn't know anything about Christ or God. I had no faith background, you know. Somebody met the Lord, and it meant nothing to me. But what happened was he made a call to some parents, and um, he told on me. I had help them get some dope or something. I wasn't a drug dealer. I wouldn't mind being one. I didn't care, but it wasn't that big a deal. But I found out he did, and so he was in a lot of trouble. And I grabbed a couple of guys from the pool hall, and I said, do you want to go get this guy? And they said, yeah. And these were thumpers. These boys loved to thump. And so we found out where he was, and we drove to over the mountain. And um, when we got there, um, he was sitting on the front porch with somebody, and I remember getting out of the car, and um, we circled him, and I told him what was about to happen. And he started walking towards me. And in my mind, I was thinking, he should run. I mean, he should run, but he didn't. And he walked right up on me, and when he did, my two friends came behind him, and I reached out to grab him. And I don't know what people believe. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. All I can tell you is what happened. Um, when we started to beat him, nobody touched him. I didn't even touch his shirt. I know for a fact that God the Father protected him and spared him from that. And I got confused and turned around and walked away because I didn't know what had just happened. 
And I went to the end of the hill, I mean the bottom of the driveway, and I was sitting there and I was looking at the back of this mountain and the lights were coming over and it was just like a fireworks display. And I was tired. I was so tired. I hadn't slept in so long. And this friend sat beside me and I looked around and I looked at him and he goes, Mark, what's wrong with you? And I said, I messed up. I said, I can't stop seeing this stuff. I've messed my brain up. And he said, I know who can help you. And I said, who can help me? And he said, Jesus Christ. And I went, Jesus Christ, what can he do for me? And it's amazing his faith as a kid. He said, he can do two things for you, Mark. He can heal you and forgive you. And at that moment, I knew the Holy Spirit touched my heart. And I said, can I spend the night with you and you tell me about this guy? And he said, yeah. So me and those two guys got him in the car with us. And we drove, we drove to his house and I said, I'm gonna stay here with him. You, you guys go back to the pool hall, I'll meet you back there. So we went up to his room and I remember he got this little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. That's really old school. And he, yeah. he, he tried, to, he tried mm-hmm. to read them to me. He was saying, look, read this. And I said, I couldn't because the words were scrambling in my face. And I just pushed him away from me. And I said, can you just tell me about the man, Jack? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, then tell me about him. And so he talked to me about the love of God. He talked to me about things I'd never heard before, that God had a plan for my life and that I could be forgiven. And I can tell you this. I think being forgiven was just as important as being healed to me. I hated me. I just didn't know what to do about me. So I just said, so if I give my life, like you're saying, to Jesus, I'll stop seeing this stuff on your face, and I'll be forgiven for everybody I hurt. And he said, yeah. And I said, I can do that. So I walked out in his front yard and I got on my knees and it was at night and I was watching these traces of cars going by with all these colors and I just called out to God. I said, God, I'm sick. And Jack Rutledge tells me you love me. So if you can do something with me, just take me. And all I can tell you is what happened. The moment I prayed that prayer, everything I was seeing stopped and it scared the crud out of me. I just sat there on my knees on the ground, and I knew I'd come in contact with something, and it was Christ. And I, I knew this too. I'd just been given a second chance, and my life has never been the same since then. Man, I've never asked you this before. So. Anything, so the guys that were with you that night, did you ever see them again or did oh, you yeah, ever? Yeah. I mean, did they, I hear, did they hear any of that conversation? No, I'm no, just no, curious. No, no, no. I was down to the driveway by myself and um, I really, I was just uh, confused with what just happened. So, and I remember I, I just felt, I was just exhausted. And um, I mean, really, my head was on my knees. And, um, so no, and if you I don't even know who, I can't remember who it was, yeah. who was there with me. But the neat thing was this, and so, and I love this, um, you know, how in the scripture says, how can we stop talking about the things that we've seen and heard? Well, that was in me right off the bat, and I remember I ran down 
to Big Cove Road where there was a place that we used to play, you know, tonk and different things and we'll do a lot of things there. My The street I grew up on, by the way, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, and so I knew one of my best friends was down there. And um, so I ran down there and he was he was asleep on the couch and it was early in the morning. You just don't know how excited I was. I mean my life has just changed overnight, <laughs> literally. I mean that was I I mean I I can't tell you how I felt. I mean and that switch hadn't like gone you off. Found a treasure, like you found the treasure in the field, yeah. and you oh. went to go buy it. Yes, yeah. it is. And so my friend was laying on the couch, and I jerked him up by his shirt. And I said, Jerry, I said, you're not going to believe what happened to me. And he said, and so he goes, what's up, what's up? And so it was the neatest thing because he knew I was messed up in my head. I said, we went to go get this guy. He knew I was talking about last night. And he talked to me about Jesus Christ, and I gave my life to Christ last night. And I don't see this stuff anymore. I mean, he told me what would happen, like I would be healed up, and he and it happened. And so I was telling him how, and I'm forgiven. I mean, I'm forgiven for everything, all this junk I've done. And this is this is great. He said, "I want that." And I said, "Well, wow. you can, I said you can have it." And he said, well, what do I do? I said, do what I did. And he goes, well, what did you do? <laughs> I said, I just asked Jesus in my this, heart, man. This is what you you would, you would should see in the four spiritual laws, yeah. right? It's that conversation. I said, yeah. you just, just ask him yeah. and ask him into your life. Yeah. And he did right there. That was the first person that came to Christ with me. And, and two weeks later, he was killed. Wow. And I remember... I was running to the hospital. I found out that he had been hit on his motorcycle. And I can remember I was crying, but I was saying at the same time, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. And I would say that that was kind of a, no, for sure, that was going to be my life as far as what I would love to do. Was there was a, There was a fire in my belly to go tell what happened to me and who he was, who Christ was, and what can happen. I mean, that was just in me automatically. And so a lot of changes started happening. And so one of the big changes for me was there was a girl at Huntsville High that I— Can I stop one second? Before we go there, Mm -hmm. there's a part of that night that, to me, has always been really powerful. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk about how, when you were just tripping out on everything, you you couldn't sleep with the lights off? No, no, no. Yeah, that's right. The lights were always on. And I would lay there and sweat. And so I remember I had stopped seeing this stuff, and he went over to turn the lights off. And I remember thinking that fear for one second, and he turned them off, and I saw nothing but dark. And dark never looked so good. I mean, I felt the coolness of the pillow on the back of my neck, things that I had just, I'm telling you, the small things that you take for granted, I felt that, and I just stared at the dark until I fell asleep with peace. I mean, to tell you the truth, I, well, I fell asleep because I was exhausted, but at the same time, so excited to wake up and to say, you know, I didn't know what it was ahead, just, I just knew it was good. And so there's this great verse that says that if any man, we'd know it, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. I didn't know that verse, but I felt it, that I was a new person. 
and I never felt like I could. And so there was a girl that I, that I saw that I knew at, at this at the school I went to, the high school I went to, and her name was Connie, and she had the prettiest brown eyes, and she had a crooked little smile. And <laughs> you're gonna get in trouble. You better be careful. She was uh, no, she was sweet, like a little lamb. And whenever I would see her, I knew I never wanted to mess with her. I mean, I just I would shake my head at her and go, "How you doing, Connie?" And I'd pass on by. I mean, it'd be like a little lamb. But because I knew that I was this new person, and that I could ask her out, because I wasn't I wasn't Stearns anymore. I was Mark, and it was almost like God saying to Jacob, "I'm going to give you a different name." You won't be called Jacob anymore. You'll be called Israel. And for me, it was, I was always called Stearns. I wasn't that. I was Mark. And I saw her, and I said, I remember saying, Connie Lou Parker. And she turned around shyly and said, hey, Mark. And I said, do you want to go to Young Life with me Thursday night? <laughs> because Young Life would. And she said, yes. And we went to Young Life, and um, we dated for a couple of years, for a few years, and I wanted to marry her so bad, and we got married um, when we were 20. And so we've been married for wow. four, 43 years now. I remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. wow. Yeah, and I have grown children, and I have, um, I mean, they love me. But I'm a poppy. I have seven grandbabies. And so I never thought that I would have any of these things. I am a, I am a great husband. And I'm an, I'm an incredible father, and I'm an unbelievable poppy. But I don't fall back on anything that I learned from my past life. It is all Christ. This is who Christ is. This is what he can do in a person's life. He can change them. I mean, I thought different after I met Christ. I remember I dreamed different. I hoped different. I mean, these feelings I had not had... You know, in Joel it says, What the locusts have eaten up, I will give back tenfold. Amen. And he started then. Amen. He started giving back what was stolen from me. I remember I went to my high school guidance counselor, and I said, Listen, I have met Christ, and I want to finish high school. And I remember she said, Well, let's, let me go get your transcripts. And she went to get them, and she came back, and she said, Mark, it's just too late. And you just you need to move on. And I remember... Uh, that it kind of it, well it hurt me, but it was Christ was so real to me that it was okay. It was okay, you know. And um, I got my GED, and I was so proud of that, you know. I loved it, and so um, so life for me was. And but I would say this: so I've lived by lots of verses since then, and the ones I live by is because God has been gracious, so very gracious to me. Here am I. And I will not allow this grace to go wasted. Like men who've been rescued from certain deaths, put yourself in the hands of God as weapons of good. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Is this not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. And so for me, it was to go back. Now I'll go back and tell people what I've done. And I did. And so I went on Young Life staff, which I loved, and I worked in the high school um, which I love doing that. And you know why? Because Young Life is evangel evangelical. They That's love how I came to know the Lord, yeah. 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 And so I was 
prime for that. And the guy that was that God used, uh, you know, when 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 He spoke to you that night, He was there when I came to know the Lord. It was on a retreat. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. Yes. And so I worked, and it was funny because I remember I worked at um, Johnson, and I loved it. I loved sharing Christ. But the other thing I did is I started going to Limestone County Prison. I remember uh, I became a chaplain's assistant there. You know, the only difference between me and those guys is they got caught. Wow. And they did a second chance. And so I remember becoming a chaplain assistant there. And I remember when I asked the chaplain, I said, where can I go in this place? He said, wherever you want to go. And I can remember walking out the, in the yard of the prison. It was like 300 yards in front of me and 300 yards sideways. And I had these free world clothes on. And I stood out. And I just said, Lord, you just take me to where you want me to go. And the next thing I know, I was in sales with people. I was in the yard of people, and I had this message, this hope of Christ, and that that's the greatest message that they were ever here. Because you don't have to be in prison to be in prison. Yeah. I can tell you that. You can be in prison outside those walls, and a lot of people are because they've never been set free. That's amazing. Free world clothes, man. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Everybody gets that. I, You know, you yeah, don't have I mean, to be in prison uh, to know what that means, yeah. Yeah, and so um, I loved working there. So I would go to I would go to school at Johnson and have club and share Christ. Then I would go to the prison and do the same thing. My kids grew up with uh, people out of, coming out of the system with inmates, and they would stay with us on three day passes and taught my kids how to play um, chess. And <laughs> I mean, it was it was incredible. And to see what you know, because this is this is the hope we have. And I mean, can I tell this story real quick? Yes. Can you hold that thought? Yeah. Don't forget. Um, so, you know, I remember when you met the Lord, um, our little neighborhood, everybody knew each other, right? And, every, you know, there was always gossip in the whole thing. And I remember, and this is so crazy because it really takes me back to a time, you know, when you think about like late 60s, early 70s and that whole thing, everything was so different. I mean, there were hippies and I just remember people saying, you know, Mark, Mark became a Jesus freak. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, really? And, and you just, but the thing that was amazing was, Everybody that knew you before took huge notice. Yeah. Because it was it was like a now you could go, man, that was like a Damascus Road experience, you know. But but it was like it was such a, a, a thing. I mean, and you can just you can see God's hand in all of this. Oh yeah. But but I remember um and I was I was so much younger than you, man. Mm-hmm. So um I'm kidding. At that point, four years was a big deal. So I didn't know what happened to you, but I remember when, you know, God was starting to bring me around and stuff and, and I came back in contact with you. I just remember the little contact I'd had before. Man, you were a different person. And I just remember it was really infectious and I was like, I want that. Well, it was Christ, I can tell you that, because there was nothing nothing good about me. You know, some people have good qualities and they don't know Christ. There was nothing I could fall back on. You never could have said, well, you know, Mark was a pretty good nothing. There was nothing there. And so um, my zeal and desire has always been to tell the story. You know, in 1 John it says, the more the fellowship extends, the greater the joy it brings us who are already in it. And God used those things, that pain, you know, I love in Second Corinthians where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of all comfort who's comforted us in our affliction so that we are able now to pass on the same comfort that we've received. 
and people need I want people to receive what I got which is mercy and forgiveness and a father that will guide you in this life he says I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you nothing will ever separate you from my love I'll always be there and being abandoned as a kid when you read a verse that says I'll never leave you I'll never leave you and I'll always love you that is huge for me it is and so I worked, um, like I said, and then I became, which is hilarious, so I did that for 10 years. And then I was in this uh, farmer's market store one day, and a friend of mine who owned it said, Mark, and he told me how well he's doing. And I walked outside the farmer's market, and I felt like God said, I want you to raise food for the poor. And I and I didn't even know what that meant. I went to, And so what was hilarious, so I went to a friend of mine who was a county commissioner, and he said, you need to come and let's pray that God would open the door. And so I went downtown and prayed. We would pray together. And then he got someone um, to help me. He would worked at one of the colleges there. And we prayed together and met with a college. Now, remember, I've never, I've never farmed a day in my life. Everything that I've ever done has never, I didn't know any about it. Nothing. I knew nothing about farming, and so you could steal some pants, but you didn't oh yeah. know anything. About oh yeah, I mean, I could steal a crop, but I couldn't raise a crop. So, and so I remember I, some farmers started teaching me how to to, um, to farm, and I remember they kept they would look at me and call me city boy, and they would say. They would rub my hands, and they would say, "You never done a day's work in your life." And I remember there was still a part of me that was a little edgy, and I would stare at them. Because inside, you know, there's um, there's an edge to me still that until Christ comes back, I think I'll there's a part of me that will have struggle with temper, trust. Those things are all be, always being really, out. yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know, praise God. You know, in James it says, "Mercy smiles in the face of judgment," and so. He says, I don't deal with you according to your sin, and I don't reward you according to your iniquity. For just as a father has compassion on his children, so, Mark, I have compassion on you. For I myself know your frame. I am mindful that you are but dust. And he does. And that God's mercies are new every single morning, and I count on that. And that keeps me going. And so these guys started teaching me how to farm. I didn't know anything. And I remember they came and they said, well, how many acres do you want to put in? Well, I didn't know how big an acre was. And I said, well, how about 50? And they started laughing. They go, we're going to put your young buddy in an acre and see what you can do with it. And I said, well, all right. Well, I just sat there and watched them. I didn't know what a planter was or a disc planter or any of those things. And so they put in an acre, and, they, and I remember they said this to me. They said, Mark, you know you're stupid, don't you? And I said, well, yeah, you've been telling me that for a few months. He said, I said, he said it's August. You're supposed to plant in April. That's when the rain comes. And I said, well, look, thanks for coming out here and putting this acre in. And so there's a great verse in Job, Job 38. And it says, has the rain a father, or who has begotten the drops of the dew? And I walked out in this field and I said, Father, you're the father of rain. You've begotten the drops of the dew. So if you want this crop to come up, bring the rain. 
And I'm telling you, 40 days later, I'm standing in the biggest mess of purple peas and snap beans. And I didn't even know they were ready to pick. I mean, that's how I was dumb on, on that stuff. And I remember they drove up in their truck. It was hilarious. All three of them did. And they got out, and I looked at them. I wasn't trying to be smarty. And I went, is this good? And they started scratching their head. you didn't know. No, I didn't know yeah, it was good. I didn't yeah. know I was supposed to pick it then. You know, I was still waiting. And they started scratching their head, and they go, that's a good crop of peas, Mark. And, you know, it was neat after that because I remember one of the guys walked up to me and he said, are you going to run this right? And I said, I am going to run it right. With God's strength and his wisdom, I will run it right. And from that day on, every spring, this guy would call me up. He goes, Mark, it's time. And eventually, you know, I knew how to farm. And so it got up to 50 acres. And what's really neat is we... Got to 50 acres, and I remember I would tell the Lord, whoever you bring to this field, I'll share. I'll talk to them about you, God. I'll tell them who you are and what you did and what you'll do in their own life like you did in my life. And so what was great, I remember I was sitting on a five-gallon bucket picking peas with this person, and and there was about 100 people in the field. And all of a sudden, people stood up. One person did and started singing this song. I can't sing, but this is what he's saying. He goes... Sit down, servant, sit down. All of a sudden, the people in the field, they all stood up and they started singing the song. Sit down, servant, sit down. And I stood up and I was thinking, this is just like the movies. I mean, this is crazy. This is <laughs> this is sick. This is good. And this developed into where we started having services in the field. And I remember we were in this big circle, and I felt like God said, speak. And I went out into this circle, and I started speaking, and they started shouting. And I remember thinking, this is unbelievable. And so we farmed, and I did that for 10 years, and it was an incredible journey. Can you tell me about these people, like just in general? Like what, what, what was their history like? I mean, what did they—I just wanted— visualize and I met them I'm, this is just sure. for our listeners it's like of, most of them were um, elderly African Americans and so they I thought I was there for them they were there for me wow. I mean they taught me I mean they were in their 60s and up and 50s and I was 37 I remember I was 37 when it started happening and so um, they would say things like the lamb is going to make it right Mark. the lamb will make it right and they taught me about eternity I mean, they would talk about a home they were going to, and I learned so much about my God through them. And so we grew, to, we're, we became so, so we had services twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay, you yeah. had the Tuesday morning ministry, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, and you invited me to come sit in on that, and it was un- unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. so we were talking about this, and we were like, hey, you think you could capture some of these songs? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'd love to. And so I remember, you know, just trying to be really discreet about it, and we came and we captured some of that stuff. Yeah. You want to listen to, like, just a piece of a couple of songs? Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I totally good Lord, I want a religion. I want a religion that will always stand. You know he took me to a band of angels, and he connected me to that band. He said, I'm rooted. 
Lord, I'm grounded. He sent you here on, yes, dead, buried in my Jesus, oh Lord, I'm rooted. Oh Lord, I'm grounded. Then I never will die no more. Will I told the good Lord that I was motherly. You know I told him I was folly too. You know enough the good Lord he won't help me. Just tell me what am I going to do because I'm rooted. Oh Lord I'm ground he said you hit on, yes, dead, buried in my Jesus, oh Lord, I'm rooted. Oh Lord, I'm grounded, then I never will die no more. Well, I know I got a good religion. thing I'm struck by is how powerful this music is. Well, it's so powerful because it's authentic and it comes from the soul and the heart and the mind. When it comes from your soul and from your heart, like it, when this brother is such a good friend and, and that's what I learned. Um, it's raw, but it's, uh, it's truth and that's where it comes from. cannery there and I heard about this cannery and I didn't know how to run a cannery and but there were home, people who were homebound that couldn't get to these vegetables and so I went to the school and I met with the people who you know who were in charge of this you know agriculture and I remember sitting and talking with them and they said I told them what I wanted to do and they said aren't you over there with the garden they said and I said yes sir and they said what do you know about farming and I went nothing 
And they said, well, how's it happening? And I, and I looked at him. I said, by the hand of God. <laughs> you kind of said that like Charlton Heston. It was kind of yeah, a Moses thing. It was. And what did they say? Yeah. Well, they were quiet at first, and all of a sudden they went, amen, amen, brother. And they said, and you want that cannery? And I said, yes, sir. I want it three days a week if you can give it to me. And they said, well, you got it. And I remember going down that cannery, and it's a commercial cannery. It was hilarious. And I looked at all these big cookers and steam and all that stuff, and I thought, somebody's going to get hurt. And so I started to pray. God, bring somebody here. Bring somebody to show me how to can now. And I prayed for a couple of weeks. And I remember one day I was in there, and there was a a really tall African-American guy looking at me. And I was staring at him, and he walked up over to me, and he goes, what is your name? And I said, and I said, my name is Mark Stearns. He goes, my name is Joseph Okoy from Nigeria. And I said, well, I'm Mark Stearns from Huntsville, Alabama. And he goes, why are you here? And I said, I'm praying. And he said, for what? I said, for a man to teach me how to run this cannery. He goes, I am that man. I am that man. And for five years, we can together. It was hilarious. Unbelievable. <laughs> I know. <it. laughs> you know. Is this is this at Alabama A and M? Yes, it is. Yeah. On that. Yeah. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. Well, so okay. One more thing. Like I, I want to slow you down just a bit because it's so great. But so, these guys that were working in the field and stuff, did they just show up when you got the field? Like how? Oh, did you... listen. Yeah. So you know, I mean, everything that you do is a part. Of, is prayer is a part of everything? Yeah. You know, if, and when it says faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, I mean, my prayer was that people would come from all over the city. You know, not to be just fed, you know, with produce, but also to share the gospel. I mean, when Jesus said, look up and see that the field is white with harvest. Just as the Father has sent me into the world, now I send you. Mm. And so I thought, this is a field. This is what he's talking about. And so, yeah, word got out and people started coming from everywhere. Because of what God did in my life that night, I've always, my faith is always, you know, aim high now because, you know, am I not the God of all flesh? Is there anything too difficult for me? I mean, that's what he says. It's not done by might nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. And so I li- I wanted to live that way. I mean, that's what he said. I mean, he's my father, you know. He's never, I mean, it's, it's, I trust him. And so... Um, my faith has always been, I need, have to have action. I mean, to me, the gospel is a verb. It's, it's not about me meeting Christ, you know, and then, okay, all this is good. You know, joining a Bible study, men's Bible study, you know, being good to my wife, being good to my kids, working, paying my taxes, and, and all that stuff. All that's good. Going to church, Bible study, being accountable. All that's great. Listen, I love that. But it's to prepare you. It's to, it's to really all that is to kind of prepare you to really engage in an unbelieving world, and so I've always felt like there has to be something happening. I need to see my father's hands at work, and so I remember after ten years of doing farming, I was getting bored. I was just going, and I can remember going, "Okay, Lord, I got this down. This has gone great, and I love these people, and they love me, but this is not a fight anymore." And I love the fight, you know, for, I mean, that's a part of me. It is. 
And so I said, you've got to give me something hard again. I've got to go back to my knees and depend on you. And so uh, I started praying in the field. I was in, a, I was in the okra field. I'll never forget, I was eating on an old piece of okra and I was praying to God, give me something hard. Coming up, scenes from part three. I had seen this place because when I was going to the school, I would look down the streets and I'd go, that's a hot spot. I mean, I've been in hot spots and I would see them. And so I got in my car and I drove down there and I parked my car and I remember I looked down the street and it looked like a disaster area. It looked like a bomb had got off. I looked, so I started taking it in. It was like Ezekiel when God spoke to Ezekiel and he said, what do you see? And, he, and I started saying, I talked to him, he goes, you know, it was like the Valley of the Bones. So don't forget about the Epic Friday Five. It's a short email list of things that we find interesting and or relevant during the week that we'd like to share with you guys. It's just our take on some good stuff that you guys can carry into the weekend. Just go to epic2.com, select contact and subscribe. That's it. Also, we're working on our Q&A episode that we want to build around your questions. So if you'd like to hear Mike Zavada address and discuss topics that you are interested in, we'd love to hear from you. To submit, just call 833-GO-EPIC-2 and state your question there. And lastly, don't forget, Epic has everything your school or organization needs to be your complete remote learning solution. To request a demo and discuss how we can partner with you, please contact anyone from our school engagement team at epic2.com. That's epic2.com. Thanks. We'll see you next time. If you thought today's episode was enlightening, please pass the word. The Classroom and Culture Show can be heard on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, to become a regular listener and receive additional info, please subscribe on your favorite platform today. That's Classroom and Culture from Epic Media Partners. Thanks. Thanks.